Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. We cannot start this episode. We can absolutely not start this episode without thanking the following people who went to our Patreon.com and support the show. So thank you, Fangirly, Bill Dixon, Jonathan Renteria Elie, Jack Connolly, Alice Kazanis, Derek Haynes, Melanie Harker, Dr. Jason Woods. Allison Keene. Battle Mat Fitness. Westbourne Eastbred. John Richard Helter II. Dave Trumbor III. Damn it, again. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, listeners out there, if you want to get on this list of super cool people, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U to see how you can support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's most stylish animated series. Coming to you from the sea beneath 14th Street, I'll be your east side gentleman, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, our very own Caprese boy, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, buddy? Oh, David, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? That was like a perfect intro. Thanks. 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's only going to get worse from here. Oh, shit. I'm feeling pretty elegant tonight. What about what about you? I'm feeling a certain degree of sophistication. Right. Like I'm ready to go out on the town and impress. I feel like we need one more ingredient in this perfect cocktail, however. The one, the only. Allison Saint King? My existential dread is really acting up today. <laughs> right. She's got kind of a cloud over her, but it just works, you know? It just works. For two seconds, I thought maybe Jaden Smith had joined us, but no, it's Allison. Great. <laughs> is that a welcome, Allison? Hey. Is that a compliment? <laughs> you I think don't deserve the big Toblerone song. <laughs> We're just getting these all out of the but way. But right I now. would I fully believe that Sean is a Caprese boy, like a founding yeah, Caprese no. boy. I love it. We've I talked love about it. it. I love like it. literally, as soon as that episode I think went live, I was. Pretty pretty sure that i was like sean you're the crazy boy well, i think i asked if if mm-hmm. sean you'd like to know yokio and and dave was like well i mean he is a crazy boy so mm-hmm. i love what everything about this conversation and people talking about me like i'm not here listening to everything <laughs> that's going on did you not make or or try a caprese martini i really wanted oh, to haven't okay. i i haven't i haven't done it yet it was it was bizarre because when this show came out on netflix mm-hmm. I had only in my refrigerator so. only six months ago, yeah. only four years ago yeah, yeah, when yeah. it came out. When midnight blue suits uh, were still acceptable and not ghosts. <laughs> right. Exactly. That, that short time frame. Yeah. <laughs> that that really tiny little window. I had uh, I had been buying mozzarella and I bought like the tiny little balls, so it would have been perfect to put like a toothpick in it and make it a garnish within a caprese martini. It's kismet. And, yeah. Kismet. I, I really do want to go back and make it. I mean, I'm assuming it's like a Bloody Mary Probably, with yeah. just yeah. garnished with a little bit of like a micro basil yep. and uh, a, a mozzarella uh, exactly on a, on a skewer. Is. Exactly what That's it is. Perfect. You can open it up just like a little kiosk there, uh, just like a, a two-seat bar <laughs> that only <laughs> serves caprese martinis. And if the owner happens to stop in and your best friend is there, there are no more seats for any other patrons. So <laughs> VIP. It's very VIP. It's VIP. Well, you know, I mean, let, let's let's examine this from a business standpoint. Okay. 
that's relatively decent marketing. Sure. If you if you think to yourself, I really want to go and try this place out, and they've created demand of only two seats, I, I'm gonna wait. Like they they're gonna velvet rope the hell out of this, waiting for people to actually get in. It's a very I, I kind of like it. It very, actually, I think was something that was legitimately started in New York and probably lasted as long as this series itself for its runtime. Oh, Maybe thanks. three hours. Uh, it's more like a pop-up, right? Yeah, it was basically like a <laughs> pop-up, yeah. But I'm pretty sure they did that in New York, which, honestly, there were a lot of things that, if for anybody who's never spent any appreciable amount of time in New York, a lot of the jokes and stuff in this show may fly over your head like a mecha butler, but... I don't know. We'll talk about it tonight, how well the humor kind of works for the different approaches I think that they tried to do with this. But what are we even talking about tonight? We've, we've thrown around a lot of crazy words here. What are we even talking about? I know. Guys, we're talking about Netflix original series Neo Yokio. Because it's anime April. And every oh. week we'll ask ourselves, is this thing we're watching actually anime? <laughs> I, 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 you know, this month in particular started out with a bang uh, with some real quirky characters, pun intended. Mm. You know, and then we we've had an opportunity to then talk about Ruby and kind of continue to to have some semblance of an opinion, pun intended again, that we've been developing that anime doesn't actually have to have a specific origin. There's a lot of times that people can create something and it can have that that target or that influence or, or be anime adjacent and still be anime, which is a pretty incredible thing to to have. And to have these cartoons be coming from the United States back to Japan, to have uh, France mm. creating an anime. So, I mean, it's just, and now Netflix. Netflix got in the game, and they were like, we want to make a really weird anime and put Jaden Smith in it. Well, and then as Sean's about to tell you with the history of this one, this one kind of blends all of those things together. You know, there's a co-production between American and Japanese studios. Uh, the creator himself has has answered the question, at least in his opinion, of whether or not this is anime. So I'll, without giving more away, I'll let Sean get into it with our history of. Did we still? Did we? Yeah, we did say Neo Yokio. I was just like, yeah. I feel like we didn't say it. Yeah, but yeah, you said. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's so Neo Yokio itself has the ability to defer the passage of time or just lengthen it. So it probably felt to you like I had said it maybe an hour or three hours ago. Pretty so close. you're you're right to ask questions. Yeah, people are gonna think that we had an editing problem and stopped. <laughs> And then came back to start that joke. But no, that was in real time. That was just my brain <laughs> flatlining. So Sean's going to take over while I get myself together. Oh, man. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, Neo Yokio is an American-Japanese co-produced animated television series created by Ezra Koenig of the American rock band Vampire Weekend and produced by the Japanese anime studios Production IG and Studio Dean. The first season, consisting of six episodes, premiered on Netflix in September of 2017. Following a hiatus from Vampire Weekend, Kaning wrote and produced the animated comedy adventure series about a depressive, demon-slaying playboy voiced by Jaden Smith. It's like right in his wheelhouse. It just makes me so mad, just that one line. <laughs> Neo Yokio is presented in the style of Japanese anime. However, in an interview with Rolling Stones magazine, Koenig stated that he believed the show is not a traditional anime. He's quoted saying, First of all, out of respect for true anime, I've always called Neo Yokio anime inspired. It's a hybrid, but I've always been a fan of anime, and I've always wanted to do something that was kind of an homage to it. Maybe a loving parody. 
On an episode of Time Crisis in early 2018, Koenig spoke about the future of Neo Yokio, hinting that Neo's not dead. Yay! I am specifically on this podcast because I love Neo Yokio, and I'm here as an apologist because it makes Dave just grind his teeth. Grind grind my Toblerones. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that some of some of like the best anime storyboard artists worked on this project. Like people people who worked on uh, Rurouni Kenshin, Hunter by Hunter, uh, you know Yasuri Yatsura. So I mean, like it, it's crazy to think that some of these people were behind the scenes putting this together, and and it's crazy to think that Koenig was like. This is just anime inspired, despite the fact that they had anime production studios creating it. Yeah, this is definitely one of those, I think maybe even more so than the other ones we've talked about this month, where you could have a lot more of a conversation about whether you want to call this anime or not. I mean, even the creator says it's anime inspired, but it seems more of a respectful approach than anything else. I think that that's a smart move on his part, because even though the the production itself is handled... Um, by people that have worked on other animes. Like Ezra Koenig himself is just an American dude. And I feel just a white American dude. And so I feel like that's very, um, like you said, respectful, I think is a good word to say like, he understands that he created this and it's therefore it's it's never really going to be right. anime in a traditional sense. Um, and and so I, I'm totally fine with that, you know. But yeah. but it, it does come pretty close in a lot of um, stylistic ways, I guess. It would be like if Wes Anderson was like, I'm going to make... Seven Samurai, and it's going to be my Seven Samurai, and it's definitely Seven Samurai, and like never mention Kurosawa or any any like references or influences on him. People would probably be upset with that. I love dogs, but uh, the fact that he didn't—I think this was a smart play. He he took things that he was clearly influenced by, something that he had wanted to do for who knows how long, and you can see the influences in the direct callouts to some of the great anime moments and anime series. In this short series itself, it's only six episodes. You can see them, and then we will get into a discussion about how well that all works together uh, as a whole. But for folks out there who don't even know what we're talking about, uh, let's get into the synopsis of Netflix's Neo Yokio. Neo Yokio is (laughs) the greatest city in the world, a modern-day alternate timeline New York where magicians saved the city from ruin by demons in the 19th century gaining a place in the upper echelons of society and becoming known as Magistocrats. <laughs> the series revolves around Kaz Khan. I, I can never say his name. Kaz Khan, correct? Kaz yeah. Khan, uh, played by Jaden Smith, a vain and wealthy Magistocrat, and his mecha butler Charles, voiced by Jude Law, as he balances a vapid and decadent life as a fashionista in the city with his demon-hunting duties managed by his stern aunt Agatha, played by Susan Sarandon. So wrap that around in your noodle for a little bit. He's essentially, he's wealthy. He's got magical powers. He has a job slaying demons, but he really can't be arsed to do that because he's got so many... He's on the bachelor board. He's on the bachelor board. He's got too many things in high society that take up a lot of his time. So that's a, a, an eternal sense of consternation uh, for him, unfortunately. I have to think that during the time that I was in high school, if somebody was asking me to play field hockey to to also be a demon slayer uh, and and be you know fashion forward i i mean i would have only been able to really do one of those three so the fact that he's one of those uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you probably none of the three 
I think that's interesting. So for those who don't know that um, you mentioned that Ezra Koenig was in Vampire Weekend, right. but he's actually, he's the lead singer, but he's also the lyricist, which I think is a really important point here. Because if you're familiar with the band, and you should be because they're great, yeah. um, if you're familiar with them, you know that their lyrics are very meta, mm -hmm. uh, clever. Like his, the way that he writes songs is really unique. And if you watch Neo Yokio, you very much see that it's in that same vein. Like he plays with words in a way that's like very specific. Um, sometimes even Dave laughed because yeah. <laughs> it's just so. It usually give me about one laugh an episode. Yeah, it, it just, it's unexpected. It's, he's just really clever and he's really meta. And that's not for everybody. Vampire Weekend style isn't for everybody. But it's definitely his show. Like, it's very much his style. And so I do respect that, too, where he's just like, this is what he does. And yeah. take it or leave it. But um, I like it. But some people don't. Well, it's funny is I do like Vampire Weekend. And I even like some of the songs that, like, nobody either has heard of, not to sound hipster, but... Or, or just doesn't oh, no. play. That sounds so hipster, Dave. I, I like Vampire like, Weekend, but like only the really. But like only the ones that like no one's heard of. You're being a herb, Dave. Yeah. yeah. What 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 Vampire Weekend? I'm gonna challenge you. Like, what Vampire like Weekend song? And I really hope that that's a song by them because if it's not, I'm just oh gonna like God. burst into flames with embarrassment. But like I like the song Horchata, and most people are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I've, that was a that was like a, a radio single. It was a single. radio single, yeah. So I'm not saying like the songs that nobody has heard of by any means or stretch of the imagination. You're a bad hipster, I'm buddy. A bad hipster, I'm a herb hipster. I'm a herbster. <laughs> Yikes! But that's just to say that I do like the musical side of things. So I was interested when this uh, project was originally announced, and then when it first showed up. But <laughs> beyond that, that's about as far as I can. <laughs> well, it's interesting because some of the the musical criticism of Vampire Weekend um, is that so so the guy that does all of their musical arrangements, uh, his name is Rostam. How do you say it? Batman. Batman. I say Batman Gleesh, but I have no Batman clue if that's how you say. It. I just like to say Batman in people's names. He goes by Rostam, so that's what I'll call him that. Um, <laughs> it, so he's put out a solo album, and it's absolutely amazing and incredible. And his whole thing is that he elevates um, Ezra Koenig's lyrics into this in this way musically that becomes really emotional and deep and like it just it makes it into something more and I think that if 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 there's a criticism of Neo Yokio it's yeah. that it's extremely shallow and surface driven I mean it's meant to be in a way but there's, no, there's absolutely nothing deeper there and you can sort of see how he needs that balance of another creative force that's going to push it to make it a little deeper and a little more, you know, substantive. I think I think when we get into the plot, we can say like what we think the arc for these six episodes was supposed to be. The Archangelo of these six the episodes. Archangelo. Uh... Because what it sets up to be, at least in a typical anime approach, is almost instantly dropped <laughs> at the end of the second episode, and then something different picks up for the rest of the series. So yep. we can talk about it, and there's a lot of different angles to talk about. Uh, we, we spoke about music. Do you guys have anything else to say before we jump into the theme song, which we'll talk about? But Let's no, do it. Great segue. Let's get into this theme song. Yeah. It's, uh, it's different. Did he? He's, so Ezra Kading was also, like, he picked all the music for the show as well, right? As far as I know. Correct. None of it is original except for, because um, everything is like classical musical pieces and, and things like that. Usually, for the I most think. Part. I don't know if the if actually the intro specifically was um, a, a piece of classical music. It's it's violin music, so it's just 
orchestral music, I think it's only maybe like a solo violin that plays over the, the intro of it. Yeah. Because it's essentially just like um, a musical interlude that plays over a weird kind of visual introduction of all the different characters in just like different ways. But it, it's just got like a really bland kind of salmon colored background that, I don't know, that for some reason that color by itself just really irritates. It's like, I don't know what it is. I find it soothing. You find it soothing? It's just like a, a salmon pastel background that all these other otherwise bold colored characters uh, play out in front of. What do you think, Sean? Is there anything more to it than that? I, I think it's actually, I, I think it's elegant. I, oh I think it's God. very simple. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. And, 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 for, and for, uh, for a show that is really trying in some cases to be Nevo Riche, like this this does a decent job of kind of hitting that spot and, and doing well. I mean, look at it, look at it this way. It's simplistic. Uh, it, it, granted, it's not an earworm, but you know, if you heard it, you'd just be like, like Allison said, this is, this is kind of relaxing. This is yeah. kind of something I could zone out to. We get a roll call from some of these different characters. But it's a, it's a visual roll call, we will say. Correct. It's not part of the theme song itself. It's part of the intro. Well, I'm not going to say anybody's name over a violin. What am I, savage? I mean, this isn't Gregorian house. Oh, my God. For everybody (laughs) playing at home, I will be representing the proletariat. Uh, Sean and Allison are the the bourgeoisie uh, tonight, in case everybody's playing at home. Dave is a Helena St. Tessera. I'm a Hellenistic domestic terrorist tonight, essentially. (laughs) Powered by diamonds and demon magic. And now the government's listening to this podcast. Totally fine with that, because now we'll get more hits. Um, (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Well, I I, yeah, yeah. I just think I just think ultimately it is it is something that is that is very elegant. It's almost delicate, yeah, as, as a yeah. theme song. And I, I I really enjoyed the simplicity of it because if you're coming into this for the first time, uh, sorry, we're gonna we're gonna spoil some things tonight. So if you if you haven't if you're planning on watching it, maybe pause now, watch the six episodes, and then come back for the discussion. But it doesn't take long. Carve out four hours of your life built around this podcast episode. Yeah, right. Um, we do it every week. That's true. So you can too. Uh, I believe in you. You can do you it. You can fate. make Neo Yokio happen. But I, I just think, uh, in terms of being able to to set kind of the tone and the mood for this, uh, I enjoyed it. I actually thought it was not a half bad intro. It's fine. It's just one of those things that unless unless it's pulled, I'm trying to pull up a soundtrack right now. Unless it's pulled from an actual piece of classical music, uh, it's not gonna stick in my mind at all. It's just like a you know a nice different violin thirty second intro that plays over these things, and that's about it. What's interesting, we pulled up a headline where it was like, shouldn't there be more music in Neo Yokio? <laughs> like it doesn't to me, it doesn't have a really strong pull through throughout the series. There are moments where like a classical piece will strike up, or uh, there, there's a moment where um, Kaz has celebrated a victory with his friends, and he wants Charles, his mecha butler, to play a particular piece of music. And he says, should I play a uh, violin concerto in D minor, Master Kaz? And he's like, E flat major, or something to that. And he's like, oh, yeah. wonderful selection. And then they play it, I presume, that actual song. Uh, so, but that's like the only time that music actually comes through in the script, uh, or, or punches through in the story in a meaningful way. But it makes sense because the the show is so manic and it's so dense with the dialogue, and again, like the word choice is so important that it kind of makes sense that it it cuts back on that particular aspect. It right. doesn't, you know, it, you're not overwhelmed by the music. It's just sort of this like light 
uh, orchestral score that kind of goes to the background. It's all taken from, you know, classical works. Like I said, I don't think any of it's original, but um, that I think it works because it, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't have to be the center of attention. Well, and it also works too because it's it's providing that sort of background as like, oh, you hear classical music, you automatically think, you know, a symphony orchestra, you automatically think of, of uh, higher class, higher society, that kind of stuff. You know, you don't often associate that with like dive bars or, or slums or anything like that. Like it's it's the music that's specifically pointing you towards that kind of aesthetic. So to have it in the background, actually, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I guess I just wonder with such strong musical influence from Caning, why, you know, why the soundtrack and score for this in general is just so muted. I, I, I think it's still like what Allison said though. It just kind of like lends itself to the piece rather than standing out to be its own thing. And also, I, I, I don't know that that's his his forte. Honestly, right. like like I said, I mean, he, that wasn't really his main thing in Vampire Weekend. Yeah, he's he's more of a writer maybe than. Um, yeah. Maybe Rostam wasn't on board for Neo Yoki. He wasn't. He was busy making his album. That's right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be a jerk, but maybe he should have gotten you know together with three other people who also play instruments and been like, guys, I'm making this anime inspired show for Netflix. So how about we all just get on board? And then it could have been Netflix presents Vampire Weekends. Neo Yokio. So that actually sounds kind of cool because then it's got like a, a band uh, stamp behind it. But maybe he didn't want to do that. I mean, we also talked about what My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. The the <clears throat> the people behind My Chemical Romance uh, put out what was the anime? Again? Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. Academy. So I don't think if that's aired, I haven't it seen it, and I apologize. Yet. Okay, so it's not out yet. So we'll it's see how summer. that plays and and what different approaches they take to that because that's another way that you can add you know your own specific style of music and i don't want to sound like a herb hipster or anything but i'm a fan of my chemical romance but not exactly the songs that people are aware of just to put it oh my god you how hipster what song from my chemical romance have we been Uh, listening to swear to god if you say fucking horchata on this it's a remix of i'm okay we're ending this podcast (laughs) it's gonna become a podcast where we review horchata i would actually be okay with that if somebody wants to pay us to do that well, that's going to be real weird because I actually can't drink horchata. You can't drink horchata? It has milk in it. it. Yeah, it's got milk in it. It's got milk in it. This podcast has made the two of us lactose intolerant. <laughs> I don't have something to do with like, close field radiation from microphones or something. <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by Yeti. Um, so anything else music-wise? Weirdly, no. I think that it's... Yeah, that's it's the thing. It's like the bad. least... Thing to talk about it's, it's not a memorable part of the show no, it's not. like nobody has a theme nobody ha- even the theme song itself doesn't like really get you ramped up nope charles doesn't have his own flying theme there's not really any like action set pieces set to this there's, there's plenty of action in it it's just that's why i like it though because it's so chill and that's their whole thing it's like they're just chill it's so chill to the point that i have trouble staying awake and and really pushing through to focus on this thing but we'll get to that the unexamined life isn't worth living, bro. Yeah, thanks, Godleap. All right, animation style. <laughs> this is where I'm curious about what the budget for this thing actually was. Because there's no, there's no music to speak of except what was classically sourced from artists who died 200 years ago or more. Uh, the animation style, <laughs> like you said, comes from well-known storyboard artists. But they take a lot of the same animation shortcuts that we've seen in some rougher productions. 
a lot of sort of still images, a, a fair amount of repeated images, a kind of shitty job of, of dubbing. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that was intentional in any way? I don't know. I don't know how much of it is like budgetary shortcuts and like, wow, we've only got this much we want to put into it, especially because it's only six episodes, and how much is supposed to be a pretentious commentary on classic animation. I don't know. I mean, as someone that doesn't watch a lot of animation and particularly doesn't watch a lot of anime, I didn't notice that. Okay. Like, to me, it just was like, this looks like an anime thing. In my <laughs> ignorance, I said. But like, it's... Yeah, I, to me, it's not something that I noticed specifically as, as being a shortcoming of the series. But, um, yeah, I mean, for all of Netflix's money, they, they don't really spend a lot on a lot of these shows, um, sort of surprisingly. So that's, that's a good point. Like, yeah. maybe they, <laughs> they said, eh, we'll give you this to play with and uh, um, see what you can do. Even, like, the Mecha Butler, probably my favorite character, easily my favorite character, I hate everybody else, on the series... Even his Jesus. eyes will go just wonk at times. Like his, his <laughs> eyes, he's got blue eyes set in like triangular white uh, irises or whatever. And they'll just like, they'll just go off to the sides at, at random times for no particular reason. And the rest of him is just blocks. Like he's just blocks put together. There's no reason for him to be a difficult piece to animate. It's very, very, it. very angular it's very for angular. Charles. Yeah. yeah. It, it's It's interesting. A lot of what... The design for this, it, it's hard because there's there's extremes, and I, I think I, I think you know Dave is right uh, in some sense, and I I also agree with Allison that I don't think that the the art design uh, or or any of the coloring is distracting in any way. I just think that sometimes it's it's very again like majority of the show it's very muted. It's um, flat too. It yeah, just feels flat. Yeah. Now, some of the characters that are that are in here, the way that they're designed, they sort of look like if you were to get the notebook of a kid in high school who was drawing a lot of anime at that time. Right. If you and took had like, my notebook. Yeah. <laughs> if you took probably one of, if you took my chemistry notebook from high school, uh, you would have found a lot of pictures of Goku in it. And so I, I feel like some of the design for this is akin to kind of very juvenile style, like very angular faces, uh, you know, kind of very uh, very angular faces leading up to like those kind of like rounded top heads yeah. that are, are classic and More synonymous. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, synonymous for, for anime. And then in one hand, you can have a character that has kind of this juvenile look to it, and then they can turn around in kind of almost a classic anime style, and then suddenly they're a little bit more detailed. There's a little yeah. bit more attention that's paid to what their design is because they're about to probably do something really cool. And that's and, the thing. You can see the specific scenes that they really like focused on and that he really had a strong uh, description for or a strong idea of what they were going to look like. And we'll talk about them in a second, specific homages. But And, and I, th I think the craziest thing for me is the actual, as we've mentioned, sort of that salmon color bump screen that they have with the picture of Kaz Khan with sort of these kind of purplish dreadlocks hair, and he, he's kind of making like a, ooh, like almost the, like the, a, the grimace, the grimace face, <laughs> emoji face. No, it's almost like a Steve Urkel, like, did I do that? Like kind of face on the front of it. And that, that to me, there's there's a lack of detail or sophistication for such a character that is unbelievably sophisticated that they put into this and then i feel like it almost that that head 
that they drew does a disservice because that's all that that's all that some of this is. It's just it like looks a, like uh, what's his name, grape juice or whatever who we talked about from My Hero Academia. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. little the little uh, pop off the, kid. Yeah, yeah, the little the little perv with the the yeah, balls the that stick to stuff. Sticky balls, yeah. But it it is as usual, right? That that two of the main characters, Kaz and his friend Lexi, are both black or right. like the the sort of presumption is right. that like they are the only ones that have dark skin color and that's unusual in an anime, right? right. Especially for a lead. Yeah, yes. for the most part, you don't usually see that. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm just off, off the top of my head, I go back to like Static Shock is the first thing that came to mind as yeah. far as like, and obviously not anime inspired. It's just an action cartoon that came out of DC Comics. But yeah, I mean. Like race doesn't play into the no. story of Neo Yokyo at all. No. Everything no. sort of like the name itself is just sort of like, an amalgamation of various things like no one pays attention to race or in this case crazy hair color or like whatever but what I thought was interesting is after the show came out is how many fans who were black were like finally I can cosplay exactly. as cool. a black character that that's cool. an anime and just put on like this this like hot pink wig yeah. and, <laughs> and look a in a suit and a giant Toblerone yeah. and look awesome so that is one thing that I really really respected with that is like the choice that he made again like just as this white dude writing this series, he's pulling a lot from Japan stylistically, but then also he's making a conscious choice to not only make two of his characters black, but cast two black uh, voice actors right. as well, right. which seems like it should be obvious, but is not an obvious thing. No, not at all, especially for like when you're saying, like, I want to make an anime, and it's going to be led by Jaden Smith playing a black, a black magician. Yeah, which is amazing. Black. Like, that's yeah. actually amazing. No, I'm totally yeah. fine with that. And like I said, when this was in production, stage i was like cool not super on board with the jaden smith thing but i like everything else that's going on so we'll see how this works out i, uh, I feel like i feel like this is a another segment that we call here on the show <laughs> cautiously optimistic dave yeah pretty much every time every time jaden smith though it's real tough to be cautiously optimistic about that young man uh so many Why? Chances. I mean, you, you think, I think it works anything. for the character though i don't know i couldn't i i felt like he never got he never got uh, comfortable with his character. But Kaz is also by far the least interesting character on the show. You yes. Know, he's, he's our introduction to like all the mythology, and there's no uh, focus on racial differences, but there is a focus on class differences, location differences, mm -hmm. fam familial differences. Uh, I still don't know how the genetics of this world work out exactly, but... Or what magistocrats really are, or what they really do. Yeah, they don't really spend any time digging into that. Like Allison mentioned earlier, it's very superficial. But I uh, don't know where I was going with that, so go ahead, Sean. Well, no, I, I just want to say, you bring up a great point, is that they gloss over yep. the most important and the most interesting thing in this entire show, and they're like, we're going to show you now a car chase. Well, Why? But here's here's I, I, what I want to talk about then, and I kind of want to save it for plot, so let me just pin this right now and say, this show introduces you to Neo Yokio, it gives you a brief history of it, and then it introduces these magistocrats who are demon slayers. Right. My question to you guys is, is that his actual focus of this series, or is that just a cool hook? But I want to come back to that in the plot, because... Stay tuned to stay find tuned. out. Don't, don't fast forward just yet, kids. But since we're on animation style... A couple things jumped out at me that we tend to talk about on this show as highlights for things that animated series do well. When they change up the animation style within the show itself. That's always cool. Because yeah. that shows that they put some time and some effort and some money into it. So you get to see that on occasion. You get to see Kaz's character when he changes into the Caprese boy. He kind of gets like this different, he gets like a sheen to him. 
he gets a different kind of like uh, look to him. There, there's a moment or two where he turns very cartoonish. Where right. He either like sees a girl that he likes or something kind of pervy happens or whatever off screen. He goes a little cartoonish. They always get that little blush in mm-hmm. the cheeks whenever they're embarrassed or the, like a romantic situation happens. Specifically for me, uh, <laughs> well, we can talk about this more in the characters, but obviously Charles is sort of a, a, a callback to Transformers. Uh, there's a moment, there's an Akira sequence that shows up where they essentially take like the exact frame by frame beats of an Akira moment and bring it into Neo Yokio, which was fun as a as an Akira fan. And then there's a big chunk of this uh, that actually goes to Speed Racer. So a lot of the characters kind of look like Speed Racer meets Pokemon style. That's kind of like the character style you're looking at. So mm. that's what it's based on. So don't expect a lot of shading, a lot of depth, a lot of shadow, a lot of 3D stuff. It's pretty basic. But I do like that they focused on specific um, moments throughout these six episodes for, for specific homages that he wanted to call out. So that's awesome. For homages like that, Dave, I mean, a classic is a classic when talking about clothes, cars, and watches, but scent needs to change with the times, don't oh you God. agree? Oh, my God. Definitely tell a grieving old man at the, at the grave of his... <laughs> don't get wife. me wrong. I'm very touched by the dedication to your dead wife. And, and I, love, <laughs> I love that scene. I love to hate that scene because that I know, just tells you everything for me, from my <laughs> point of view, that's everything that's wrong with this character, even if that's what the show intends it to be. Yeah, because we're not supposed to like Kaz. Oh my God, right? I hate him in that moment. Yeah, which is a great way to segue into talking about Kaz Khan. Talk about it. What, do you, what do you think about Kaz, Allison? I think he's fine because I think that he, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just fine. Fine. Um, fine. I think that, uh, yeah, like we said, he's, he's really sort of the least interesting uh, character on the show because he's, he, what was the um, description of a depressive, narcissistic, you know, whatever, like he's... Yeah, playboy. Yeah. Play, playboy, because, yeah. And, and Sean mentioned earlier, just real quick, Sean, I think, said when he was in high school, these guys are a little bit older than high school because at some point they go back to their, like, preparatory school time or their, their high school time and actually act as, like, teachers. So I think they're a little bit removed from high school and they're in that kind of like weird zone and maybe they're early to mid 20s. I also okay. want to comment on the fact that their school is called Easton, which is the blue collar Pennsylvania town in which Dave grew up. Yeah, and it makes him even angrier so than usual every time it's mentioned. Because they talk about the uniforms at the Easton school and how they're so prestigious and that's where they all went to school and every time it just makes me so mad. I will say it is actually a port of the Dalton school, which is, uh, I think it's upper... I don't know. I don't know my boroughs very well. It's a New York preparatory school, private and very prestigious, and it's meant for like Ivy League prep. So that's what it's based on. I hate the fact that he used my hometown's name for it because that's about <laughs> as far from Dalton as you can get. But I digress. But yeah, so, you know, Kaz is our introduction into all of this. And, and you know, he's, he's fine. He's not particularly heroic. He's not particularly, um, you know, clever or interesting or... Um, uh, sympathetic or really anything, but he doesn't kind of have to be because there's nothing in Neo Yokio that requires you to have those feelings. It's more just like, look at these clever things that are happening. Sometimes they're quite funny, wouldn't you say? Do you think he's a sociopath? <laughs> no, I think he's just a narcissistic kid. But how many narcissistic kids do you know that land in a graveyard, insult an old man because of his chosen perfume that he's spraying on a grave, and then take off on their mecha butler and knock the dude over with the exhaust fumes? Ah, but I think that's just sort of part of the whole, 
cluelessness of like these kids are just idiots and you know it would have been great if that old man came back as like the domestic terrorist but oh jesus he's just old man in a graveyard as played by ray wise i mean you have to realize this this is the moment too where charles drops the line he's like the traffic the bubble traffic downtown is going to be horrendous and you're like Oh, I did love that. I did love that line. The bubble traffic. And they have bubble traffic. It's like it. uh, it's like mist. It's like using the roller coaster thing in mist or, right. or something out of Bioshock. Like it's a that's cool. It's a cool world. <laughs> they tease some cool things. But yeah. I also want to mention this as we're talking about characters, yeah. how deep the bench goes on oh, the actors that are voicing this. Yeah, yeah I mean Jaden Smith, Jude Law, Susan Sarandon, Jason Schwartzman, Richard Iowata. Um, just like it goes on and on. I mean, you, you have like throwaways like Peter Serafinowicz is just like a various recurring voice actor. Yeah, Steve Buscemi, that. like Stephen Fry. It goes so deep. Like every single person in this is somebody. Um, and it's just, it's, what I'm interested in is actually why they got involved. Like what they thought was interesting about the series. I'm sure they like, just have connections somewhere, either through Jaden or through... Himself. Oh, I'm sure, but like, yeah. what about this made them interested to want to do Neo? We'll see. Dave's making the the, the, the cash money sign, sign yeah. but we just said that they probably did. Or do you think they, they spent the they spent the whole budget on? <laughs> but I also think that like that's one of the weird things about this that like Neo Yoku is not something that I would recommend to everyone. Like, I completely understand <laughs> that it's a very niche yeah, yeah. thing that some people are going to love and some people are not. But what is weird is like how many. <laughs> like really well-known actors are a part oh, of this absolutely. and it elevates it to this weird thing where people are like well maybe i should watch this like yeah. all these people are involved in it it's Again, not meant for this that was, this was the reason i was excited when they were announcing all this stuff because they were like jude law is going to be here i'm like jude law in an anime that's weird susan sarandon i'm like okay this could be yeah, an actual yeah. thing but you hear those names and you think they're going to bring a certain amount of gravitas or a certain amount of like performance to the characters but the writing was just never really there for that to give them they were all one note. Yeah, there's no depth. There's no depth. No they, they all are great, but they don't have anywhere to go with it. There's not, this isn't arcs for them. This is just like you said, look at this weird thing that's happening or look at the clever thing that I just did. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that Allison kind of hit it like right on the head. Yeah. This, this show gives you a lot of things and kind of serves them up and then kind of like knowingly looks at you and is like, do, do you like this? Do, do you like me? Do you like yeah, what we're showing? Do you yeah. like what we're showing here? And then because, and I, I think that that actually plays into Dave's idea of, you know, uh, maybe Jaden never really kind of feeling a hundred percent comfortable with his character. I don't think this show, in some cases, actually was a hundred percent comfortable with what it was actually yeah. delivering That's a very to the good viewer. Point. And to and you know, as Dave keeps teasing, we'll get more into the <laughs> plot later. But <laughs> no, Sean, I think that's an excellent point. Is that I don't think the show knows what it wants to do. Yeah. And there's some so there are some parts of it that are actually like really fun and clever, yep. but it's it doesn't have the time or the interest to go deep into the mythology. And maybe there it isn't there. You know, maybe it was this sort of there are teases there, but yeah. And to that point, I think an homage to certain things is wonderful too. I love Akira. I love Speed Racer. To to have these sort of subtle nods in there is super fun. But at the same time, you created, again, I know I, I hate that I have to reiterate this, but we have a fashionista demon slaying playboy <laughs> as the lead character. And we continue to say he's not 
interesting. Like mm. I, I actually, I actually think he's the most interesting character, but he's also the he most. He should be. He he should be. He's the most muted character in a muted animated and scored show. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of blows my mind. But I think the fact that we keep saying muted though too, it's not by, it's not that he doesn't get a chance to do things. He's given every opportunity in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a number of different ways he's, to approach he, that. He's dug his own grave in this case. He does because he just wants to like, eh, you know, he just wants to eat what? Squid ink noodles. He doesn't want to go to lunch. He doesn't want to do the job to pay money. He doesn't want to go after his girlfriend. He just wants to mope about her. He doesn't want to go ride around on his mecha butler. He just wants to like chill with his friends and drink martinis. Like he doesn't want to do any of these things. Yeah. Out of that entire laundry list of things, Dave, the only thing I can relate to is riding on my mecha butler. I know, That's me, it. That's <laughs> the kind. It's the kind of both. man I am these days. Here's what I love about uh, the mecha name drop, though. There's a moment in this series where they actually are like, oh, that's right. It's a mecha. (laughs) You're watching this whole thing. I'm going to get into spoilers because I don't even care at this point. This has been out for like six months now. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, stop listening now because we're going to get into plot soon. And the show is too short in its runtime to not talk about some of the plot stuff that happens. So if you really want to go watch it, pause now. Go watch it for three hours and then come back. There's a moment where Jude Law's character, Charles the Mecha Butler, who is like treated savagely throughout yeah. this entire series, by the way. I felt really bad for him. They, they basically are like abusing him. They're not listening to the fact that he needs to like go charge his batteries or get a replacement battery. Because they're always selfishly motivated. Super selfish. They just use him to do whatever they have to do and go wherever they have to go. Uh, it turns out, because Charles is a Mecha Butler that it is not a sentient robot. There's actually a very small person inside <laughs> of Charles who's piloting him the whole time. An older Cockney woman An named Sadie. An old Cockney woman named yep. Sadie, who I think was still done by uh, Jude Law, if, I, if I'm correct. I think he's just putting on that voice. If it is, it is a spot-on old Cockney impression of a woman. It's either him or Richard, Richard Iwata. I, 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 I think it's Jude Law, though. It might be. It I does kind of. Iwata has that range, and I feel like Jude Law could probably do that. But it's amazing because that's a fun mecha reference for people like me who are super nerdy about the mecha robot difference. But it also like adds this weird layer. It's one of the few things in this show that adds an extra layer of like intrigue or is a really funny and surprising moment that complicates the character in relationships a little bit more. Because Kaz is used to having Charles around as just like his butler, his manservant. He reads him stories in the bath. He tucks him in at night. He knows his like most deepest personal, darkest things. Bachelor board insecurities. His bachelor board insecurities, all his problems with the ladies. But <laughs> there's a tiny cockney woman inside this robot the whole time. So it's like, that's, it's an extra kind of like funny layer that they add to But it. once they mention that, once he talks to her right. and he's like, he's like, hey, you've seen me in the bath? And she's like, oh, Cassie, I've seen everything. I've seen everything. And, but then after that, his interactions with Charles really don't change. No, They're completely back. back. But she then back Sadie, in a box and, she does come out in the finale, yeah, though, yeah. and I love that one scene where she's just like running riot, basically doing whatever she wants in the apartment, and Cash just goes, I hate her. And the way <laughs> that actually that line delivery might be the best thing that Jaden Smith does. But um, it's funny yeah. that she ends up being a plot point, too, at the end. Right. Okay, real quick, because I want to get into the plot, but do you guys have any other favorite characters outside of the main? I mean, we haven't talked about Archangelo. I love Archangelo because. About her. <laughs> I love Jason Schwartzman. And I yeah. love the fact yeah. that like he comes back as like he just wants to be a homie. But that's like, 
That's, that's Sup, what I'm homie. talking about with the, with the plots in this thing. There, nobody has an arc to the point that even like his main rival, they never get over that. He just comes back at the end and is just like, I just want to be homies. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's their conflict resolution because they don't have time. They don't have time for it, yeah. But it, it, it works somehow. Cause, and I also love Lexi and Gottlieb. I think that they're, they're hysterical. They're the, show. They, the episode when they <laughs> get transformed into a panda and a woman oh are some of the best things that this whole series does. Wasn't, wasn't that a, an homage to Ron Mahaff? I mean, probably, yeah. I didn't actually even think of that until you just said it, but probably, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, 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 I agree I with know. you. I, I agree with you. Lexi and Gottlieb were the best characters, and they are voiced by the Kid Miro and Dasis Nice, respectively. Yeah. They are. It, that was, I think, what sold me on this show. It wasn't, you know, I, I think it was really the relationship that they have between the two of them. It wasn't Jaden Smith. <laughs> I, not really. I mean, I. I I like Jaden Smith. I'll be honest with you. Uh, ever since the pursuit of happiness, I- I'm gonna say I haven't been uh, super excited about <laughs> so some of his the last theatrical 10 endeavors. To Twelve years. Yeah, but you right. know, I mean, and Dave, you mentioned Charles too as a as oh, a key character. Great. I mean, yeah. he's definitely the only one that you can really. He's actually weirdly, he's a robot piloted by a small Cockney woman, but he is also the most like the deepest and most emotional character. <laughs> Right. But also, like, like the tragic character, the but tragic also like the, the voice of reason, the one that's down to earth, the one that keeps everybody else on task, these wild kids running around. The Lex and Gottlieb, are, their comedic timing, too, for yeah, those actors are hysterical. Yeah. And Agatha I never really connected with. I don't. She didn't really do much for me. Yeah. Um, and Helena didn't really do anything for me, either. I think she just felt really flat, um, more so than others. I, did, I mean, I like the whole Helena plot line. That was all just sort of silly, and it sure. actually played into the, the demon-slaying plot. Um, I don't know. I, I just sort of I like sort of everyone they introduced because it was just so bizarre. But as far as like the ones that you, um, the recurring characters, uh, I really I really enjoyed Sailor Pellegrino. Okay, me too. Yeah. For for like a hot second, and I but I, I think it's so funny because you know when when you're introduced to her, you sort of get this this song, and 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 I love the fact that you have Kaz just saying. She has a voice like cashmere, and then Charles, <laughs> Charles immediately backs it up uh, to qualify it with the type of cashmere yeah, yeah. that, which <laughs> is just great. And she's like, she's super, and you find out very quickly that beautiful singing voice. And then when she sits down, she's like, "Hi, how y'all doing? I'm from the south. I'm just a humble singer from North Kakalaka." <laughs> and that that threw me for such a loop, especially especially during the kiss cam scene, like a right. second later where she kisses Kaz and he gets that nosebleed, which to me, I was like, you can't get any more classic anime inspiration than a man receiving affection from a woman and his nose immediately bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't like rocket out the, out the roof. Like, he like, what, like Master Roshi or Master Roshi. Yeah. What I actually liked about her, there's a weird thing that happens that it's really easy to gloss over. Yeah. Here, right. So we're talking about, well, there's actually two very weird things with her. The first one that shows up is the national anthem. Right. It's very different from what you're used to hearing if you live here in America. Uh, I don't remember the exact lyrics, but it plays into the idea that like something, something has happened in this country. We have uh, flooded most of New York City <laughs> up, up like below the 14th Street is all flooded. They have moments where they like are on a boat and they float up to the World Trade Center or they mm-hmm. float up. They, they go underwater to visit either restaurants or people's houses. They take the, these bubble tubes through the water, but you can see all the old 
New York above ground stuff that used to be there. So something has happened, but it's never addressed. This is just the way that things are now. <laughs> the national anthem itself is also very strange and <laughs> folds in. Oh my God, I forget exactly. Like weird religious stuff with also like uber uh, jingoistic, like political stuff. And everybody's like, they show shots of people on the stands just like tearing up, hearing the national anthem because she's singing it so beautifully and it means so much to them. It's just another hint of like this, this potentially deeper history and mythology of this world that we're living in that nobody really understands what has happened. Yeah. There's that line in the, with the Grand Prix um, yeah. in that little pre-roll and the newscaster's like, um, he's introducing all the different racers and then he says, and we pray to the God of death that some of them may be spared. Yeah. yeah. It's just, there's a lot of <laughs> weird stuff like that. This is like a weird blending of, because you had the, the demons come in in the 1800s and start attacking the city. And we were told in the very earliest moments that that's why these European uh, magicians were brought over, uh, colloquially known as rat catchers. They were brought over, and that's how they kind of were folded into the upper echelons because they were the only ones who could uh, prevent these demons from destroying the city. So you've got kind of like the old blood, the old money from New York blending now in with what they call, what do they, what do they call them? Not Nouveau Riche, what do they call them? Neo Riche. Neo Riche. They call them the Neo Riche because they essentially haven't really, their families didn't come from money. They kind of had to work. You know, they say that. Like, yeah, exactly, with like disdain. They had to work uh, to get all that money. So that's an interesting... Heaven forbid. Right. Now, that to me is an interesting clash. I just don't think this show, as pretentious as that setup kind of is, I don't think it really hammers that home at all. Yeah. So it I think now's a good time to, to get into, into yeah. the plot and what we think are the actual arcs throughout these six episodes, what it sets it up as, what it does in the middle, and then what it actually finalizes with. What, what did you sure. think the show was about the first time you watched the first like two episodes? Well... Like you've teased yeah. throughout this podcast, <laughs> it seems like it's about these rich, vapid kids who one of them actually happens to also be a demon slayer, and it, that's it's funny how that plays into their social life, right? And especially with the character of Helena and sort of the demon there. Um, but then, like you said, it drops that, yeah. and then basically, I mean, I don't. It doesn't have a plot as far as I can see. I mean, the Helena and Kaz stuff. This sort of bookends it, but again, in a sort of just like these are just vapid rich kids running around doing things, yeah. and sometimes it's interesting, and maybe sometimes not so much. Just racing through the city and running over homeless people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing that happens. That's a thing that happens in the in the finale. Sean, what about you? What did you think you were getting into, and then what do you think it turned into by the season's end? So wait, hold on. I uh, pause for a second because yeah. you said rich kids driving through. And, and accidentally hitting somebody with a car, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's in some famous literature as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, what was the what was the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, Gatsby, Great Gatsby. Yeah, it was Great Gatsby. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, pretty sure that uh, that spot on is the uh, the Great Gatsby right there. So again, <laughs> just another homage that this show has that we we just did not have a chance to just, to take a look at. That's one of my all time favorite animes. So I'm glad that he referenced that. Great expectations. It is, it is the, the Great Gatsby anime. Uh, to your point, though, it does. It's sort of like it's it's sort of a meta satirical joke about anime, while also being sincerely like yeah. interested and in love with anime. 
and it, it is, it's almost like it shouldn't be a series. It should be like, oh, this is like a really funny, like, five-minute yeah. YouTube thing that I watched. Like a series of music videos, <laughs> no. if you wanted to. Like, no. why, why weren't these, like, weird, long music videos? And this comes from someone who really likes Neo Yokio. Like, right. I really enjoy the show. Right. But when you, like, it's the kind of show that doesn't allow you to look deeper into it because there's nothing there. But like, they, they seed it like you want to, but I don't think they have anything else that goes beyond that, no. unfortunately. Yeah. Because if it was a music video, Dave, you would just be sitting there the entire time just being like, in December, drinking horchata. Yeah, 100%. And I'd be thrilled. Yeah. For 12 minutes at a shot, I could do that. I love that your hipster version is somebody who just listened to all of Vampire Weekend's second album, Contra. Yeah. And that, I'm a, that's I'm a it. bad hipster. I'm a herb. We've, we've, <laughs> we've discussed uh, this. But to, but to answer your question, I really thought that this whole show was going to be about demon slaying, about there like being some bigger plot for for bigger and, and badder kind of demons. And, exactly. and Kaz was going to have to balance this social life mm-hmm. and everything that was going on with the fact that he sort of has these powers that he really he really doesn't seem to to want to to leverage or, or even utilize half the time. No, not at all. And the, we're not ex- we don't learn how he trained, how he got those powers, how he knows to use them, what the extent of his powers are. There's nothing like that. There's no training montages. He's not really tested ever. I'm okay with the, I'm okay with him skipping that as far as like the origin goes. Sure. But he, like you said, there's a certain point where like and it, honestly, like, I binged all these episodes back in September or whatever, and then had not watched them again until I watched yeah. the last three today. And I forgot that, like, those last three episodes, it's pretty much no... Well, definitely not the last two. There's no demon stuff at all. No. So no. for half of the series, there's no thing that the original episode sets everything up to be. So, yeah, to finish your thought. No, I mean, basically, it's... I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, as we said, like, that's what's interesting. That's what makes this show something different. And the fact that it just abandons that is a really odd choice. So what I came around to was the idea that this whole thing is just Kaz's process of getting over a former relationship and then falling into a new one. Because the, the bookend of this, uh, these six episodes, at the beginning, you're introduced to Kaz, he's watching, he's just sitting on a bench at the, on this like rooftop um, tennis court. And it's not a normal rooftop tennis court, it actually looks like the, the fight stage from Last Man. There's like giant... <laughs> metal mechanized <laughs> arms that are like holding this rooftop tennis court on for some reason. But he's just up there and he's moping about Kathy, his, his ex, who took a finance job in San Francisco, I believe, and yep. can no longer be with him. So he's just moping about her. And then everything that happens over the course of the next six episodes, you know, the demon slaying stuff, the exorcism of his former hookup, uh, meeting international superstars and, and, and athletes and racers and hanging out with his friends and having crazy magic stuff happen on their uncle's, on their uncle's uh, house in the Hamptons. All that kind of stuff is just the process of Kaz getting over Kathy and falling for uh, Hel- Helena. Helena? Mm-hmm. Falling for Helena and then ending up in that exact same spot again. He's literally at the conclusion of the series on the same bench. Now he has a giant Toblerone and he's watching the tenant girls play tennis again, but he's moping over the same thing. Just swap Helena in for Kathy. And that would be fine if there had actually been in between <laughs> somewhere where he was actually like following a demon slaying arc, right? Where he's like having to learn something about himself right. or having to like, you know, but it's, but, but 
it's a weird there are so many things in this show that it seems like oh well what if we use this as a as a bridge to that so like the demon slaying thing he exercises helena and then she has this weird transformation through the rest of the series and he somehow and for whatever reason falls for that uh they show that charles is a mecca piloted by a small cockney woman she ends up being a red herring at the end so that the authorities can't arrest helena for guess what Suspicion, suspicion of uh, domestic <laughs> terrorism for blowing up the Bachelor board, yeah. which is this giant Times Square-like uh, billboard ranking of the most eligible bachelors in town. So, like, it's all this social stuff kind of folded in around Kaz. There's the demon slaying, the dealing with his aunt, the dealing with his family, his friends, his rivals, romantic relationships. That's all kind of folded in. And he really just goes from pining from over one girl at the beginning to pining over a different girl at the end for different reasons. And just all that mush in the middle, I don't know. There's, it's not saying anything, I don't think. It's I just, think you're just the, watching his events. One of the best scenes that kind of brought all those things together was when he fought that demon and was wearing his um, black suit yeah. against a midnight blue sky. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. therefore he could, it's like, it's like, I can see you against this midnight blue sky in nice. your pitch black <laughs> suit. Like, no, why? Oh, no, the one time. <laughs> My favorite part was that with Sailor Pellegrino, who we were talking about, who essentially bursts into like demon form as a yep. giant floating diamond encrusted skull. Yes. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Just amazing. All of that made the most sense. Yeah, like as far as what sense. the show sets up because it brings in uh you know the demon stuff, the magic stuff, right. the the superstar, the romance, right. the all that kind fashion of stuff, stuff fashion, right. everything came together in that one plot. Right. And, and then they <laughs> dropped it cuz that was episode 2. And that was episode yep. 2. Uh, Dave, I mean, you have to realize that everybody's aware that the jewel-encrusted skull that you're talking about is called For the Love of God by Damien Hirst. And demons, demons use diamonds to amplify uh, their powers. You I know, it's it. like it's like Botox for those little bastards. It is like Botox for those little <laughs> bastards. What I loved about it, though, was the demon skull when it was, like, chasing after him just screamed, like, I hate Neo Yokio, and this is for the fall of the bourgeoisie. And I'm like... <laughs> All right, I'm on board with the skull. Maybe, maybe yeah. we're going somewhere. Uh, again, I really, I really feel and contend that the the interesting thing that's in this show is is really the demon slaying aspect of it. And I, I, I'll say this: when we got to the end of those six episodes, and Netflix didn't auto advance to episode seven, I, I really had a oh, what the what the fuck kind of a moment because I, I felt like this show just created so much didn't ask a lot of questions it just it kind of just presented material and then sort of walked away whenever it didn't feel like it wanted to to be around that material that created in the first place and i feel like it missed the opportunity for like you look at a show like buffy the vampire slayer and one of the things that makes it so fun and, and great is that they're high school kids right. and they're fighting demons that because their high school's located on a hell mouth right. and so yeah. like there's there's a potential there in those early episodes where all of this shallow, narcissistic, self-interested stuff that Kaz does with his friends and all that, that's what makes it funny when he actually has to turn around and do some like demon slaying and like right. there's serious like darkness that they have to fight. Like that's that's the tension that's so funny. But then when they drop that, the demon part of it, it's just there's nothing left. I mean, again, like the I I'm in, entertained just by sort of those those clever, ridiculous meta scenes. 
But the more you guys are talking about it, I'm realizing like, God, there was so much potential for this show the that it is, didn't live up to. He just had so many things that he wanted to do and so little time to do it in that they just, I think they kitchen synced it and just threw everything in for lack of any actual plot development or arc. They knew where they wanted to go from A to B and yeah. what they wanted to hit on the way there and that was about it. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's why it's so shallow. It's like a big area, but very, very shallow. Yeah. That's it for me. Uh, anything else from you guys for plot before we head to recommendations can you name just one other vampire weekend song dave <laughs> no because you put me on the spot oxford comma yeah oxford comma Come was on. another good one too probably right. from that same what? second album no it's from the first album it's from the self it's from the self-titled well what is the i'm so bad with musical trivia am i gonna win a cold hard cash at the end of this uh probably <laughs> You seem very sure of yourself. Yeah, no, I'm saying probably. I'm, I'm putting up cold hard cash right now to see how many Vampire Weekend songs you like, can like make. zero. That's it. I can't <laughs> off the top of my head. Oh, okay. I'm no good at it. I lock yeah. up. No, I... I... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Horchata, that's one. Oh, my God. One <laughs> have, you, not... have you heard of this song have called Horchata? Have, have you heard of the Horchata? <laughs> good for what ails you. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, is it time for uh, is it time for our buddy Bobby to save us? Of course it is. Hey, everybody listening, yeah, you. <laughs> what are you doing? Watching Neo Yokio, probably. I'm so sorry. So, you tend to put your opinions on the internet, and we love to honor and discuss them. And to help us, we've brought in friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away, buddy. This week's Love It comes from... Alex Dyke on October 1st, 2017, in a post titled, A Masterpiece. Alex wrote, From story to animation to voice acting, this piece is incredible. A true meme treasure chest. Jaden Smith deserves all the big Toblerones in the world for his performance. The only disappointing part is that it's only six episodes long. The story and world deserves more time than this. Netflix should halt all production on other shows to focus on this. And our hate it gives the show a rating of one out of ten from sub sub WMN. It's either Subway Man or Subwoman on September twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen, in a post titled "Awful," just like Ruby. This one says it is awful like Ruby. I finished DreamWorks Dragons and I found this. I like finding new anime and will check out at least the first episode. I thought it would be great. I recognize Law's voice as the narrator Charles immediately. With talent like Jude Law and Susan Sarandon, I'm surprised they're lending their voices to garbage. This show has a good concept, but executed badly, just like what Ruby is to me. The only difference for me is the graphics are better for this show. If there are people with experience working on this show, why is it so bad? I was floored when I found out that Studio Dean and MOI Animation were involved because they created some of the anime I love watching, and this show is not worthy. With all the talk from Miro and Jesus, I felt like was in the ghetto again. It was not relatable at all with the references to fashion and Nouveau Riche. Cass throwing a Cartier off a building because an ex-girlfriend gave it to him. Yeah, I throw Cartier off buildings every day when I do not want it anymore. LOL. I would rather watch a good anime in subtitles than watch this. I think it's pretty amazing 
that Bobby was able to effectively read a hate it for this week and two weeks ago when we watched Ruby. It's pretty it's, phenomenal. It's, it's true. That's why I picked that one because I was like, oh, it's a thing we talked about and somebody's mad about it. If they managed to get Last Man, Animaniacs, and My Hero on there, it would have just blown our minds. We would have we would have stopped this podcast and then just started reading nothing but the comments on a new podcast from that for, person. From that person. From oh my god, so- was it Dudas? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> it was Subwoman. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. Oh boy! Hey, before we get to our recommendations, one thing that may change my mind. Fun fact is uh, Neo Yokio actually saved our <laughs> lives. That's speaking, true. Speaking, Allison and myself. So- I- Love We're only like ten percent kidding about that, actually. Um, Dave okay. and I had the opportunity to go to Disney World right. for a press trip. This was after we had watched Neo Yokio months before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, Dave knows that I love Neo Yokio, and we were at and Toblerones. Uh, well, it's not that I love Toblerones, but just, in the, in Neo Yokio, in, in the context yes. of Neo Yokio, Toblerones are hilarious. Correct. Right. Um, so we were at Epcot right. um, and and bouncing from country to country. Mm-hmm. And I think we were in Germany, we were in Germany. and they had Toblerones mm-hmm. and they had dark chocolate Toblerones, which if I'm going to eat chocolate, I only eat dark chocolate. And I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So seeing this dark chocolate Toblerone, feeling a little fancy because we were in Germany, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> so Dave said, I think you deserve that Toblerone. Um, and so we got it. And I saved it, you know, because this is a special thing to have this Toblerone. And on the way back from Orlando... Which is an hour flight from Orlando to Atlanta. Barely, yeah. As soon as we land, um, they tell us that the power is out in the Atlanta airport, and they don't know when we're going to be at the gate. And let me just say that our pilot, straight up from the beginning, was just like, knew that this was going to be a disaster, and said, like, there are 86,000 people trying to get into Atlanta right now and about 100,000 people trying to get out and we're all grounded and we don't know when what's happening or anything. And he was actually, people uh, were reading tweets uh, from their phone and the pilot was like repeating them back to the entire airplane to like tell us what was happening. So anyway, that was the flow of information. So four and a half hours later, we get off the plane. Um, I think, well, just from on the plane itself, it was like four and a half hours. And then we get off, we go into the airport, it's completely, it's like pitch black in the airport. There's this line of airport employees holding out cell phones for light in silence. It was one of the, the strangest things. It's creepy, it's like 28 days later. We get into the gate and everyone is just silent and just sitting there in the dark. And then there are like police with giant guns preventing people from, from getting past, like into the other parts of the airport. So I was super calm and chill about the whole thing. Yeah, Dave was just like <laughs> real, real okay with all this. Yep. So also, this is like we land at like lunchtime and we we think it's like an hour flight and we're just going to like go home and eat. Yeah, so they whipped some like peanuts at us throughout the course of this thing, but that was about it. Delta was actually great. I want to say this, Delta and the the flight attendants yeah. and the everybody was was awesome. They gave, they gave us they kept the Wi-Fi on. Yep. They gave us every snack that was left on that plane. Yep. They didn't know what was happening um and they gave us vouchers later for our <laughs> troubles. But in any case, so we were starving and dying, of course, and uh the, what did I have in my carry-on bag? But a Toblerone. So nice. we rationed it yep. enough that the chocolate was able to sustain us for the additional, I think, two or three hours it took to get from the gate to, we couldn't get to the car because they blocked that off. Yep. We had to like take a cab home, which was insane. And Dave had to come back to the airport later to get his car. 
Doesn't matter, the point of the story is, the Toblerone saved us, therefore Neo-Yokyo's influence, in fact, kept us alive and well during the great airport apocalypse of 2017. If one oh good God. thing came out of this stupid show, it is that. I think if my wow. blood sugar would have been any lower on that, we probably would have had an international incident at the airport. It was intense. It was a really intense time. Yeah. But now, recommendations. <laughs> Elsa, wow. thanks so much, our elegant guest, our fashionista, for joining us tonight. Do you recommend Neo Yokio to our listeners out there? And if not, and you don't have to, but if you don't recommend it, you can also put it up for the dip, meaning it's a race from existence for all time. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I do. I would do, you do it for a Toblerone? I do recommend it with, with caveats. Um, I would say that if you're intrigued by this, in this podcast, if, and if you, you know, sort of have listened to it and not sure exactly if you're interested or not, the first episode gives you everything you need to know about the series. I mean, knowing that the demon stuff kind of doesn't right. persist, but as far as the style and the tone and everything, it's, it's pretty much like you're going to know pretty quickly if you're into it or not. Um, and I think that it is, especially for people who do not typically watch anime or animation, which is you're listening to this podcast, it's probably not you, mm -hmm. but I think that it's extremely accessible for people who are not familiar with those styles and, and don't tend to watch the show. So if, you're, if you want to get a friend interested um, in anime, this is maybe a soft gateway to that. But, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. Again, as we've discussed, like, it doesn't go much deeper than what you see. But I, I, I found it entertaining. And as someone who watches way too many very dark and violent dramas, I found it a really nice antidote to that. Neo Yokio, a soft gateway into anime, much like a half-melted Toblerone. Aww. Sean, what about you, bud? I, I would recommend this as well with caveats. I mean, it, it's... I think for the voice cast alone, it's yeah. getting the recommendation from me. I think really the relationship that we haven't really discussed, or we've glossed over, perhaps, is the Lexi and Gottlieb. Yeah. They are they are so fun to watch in this show, and there are so many moments of just what almost seem like genuine excitement, and then that's almost contrasted immediately by Jaden Smith opening his mouth to do yeah. anything. It, it, it's it can be very deflating at some time, but I mean, this this Kaz character is kind of that disenfranchised you know, teen, but I mean, like, like we've mentioned, like he's older than that. Like he he's should older than that, but he seems he, like a child. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like, a, he's a man child with demon slaying powers. And I, he's like the worst kind of millennial. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't even know what you would go like a neo yokelennial. Ugh. That sounds gross. It sounds like, yeah, no, that sounds good. taking it back. I'm taking them all back. Uh, it, it's redacted. I, I redacted. I, I, I I think the voice cast is interesting. I think the concept and a lot of the stuff that they present in the first three episodes is interesting. I'm upset that they changed tone halfway through a six episode series. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm if they bring it back, I'd be curious to know because the demon slaying portion of this is so interesting because it, it seems so pivotal to, to their lives and sort of the status that they've created in Neo Yokio around this. Uh, I, I'd love to have it play a more prominent role in a second season. Otherwise, if it doesn't, I don't, I don't know that I want to watch it unless it's absolutely batshit insane. And Vampire Weekend sings horchata in it. <laughs> I really hope they do. I hope they open up a horchata shop. Um, oh, God. 
I'm weirdly going to recommend this only on the advice of being familiar with it from like a cultural standpoint. Okay. Just so if people start talking about Caprese Boys or start, I don't know, <laughs> just so you know what they're talking about. Or if you see the, you know, kids in cosplay, which, which I think is an awesome thing. I've um, seen a lot. Yeah. There have been a lot, which I think is really cool. And we need more of that. Um, I mean, this is no Black Panther by any means, but just to be culturally aware of it, sure, check it out. It's, it's less than three hours out of your life, and it's, it's very much a background show. I, I don't know. I, don't I disagree. I don't think I'm missing any deeper elements of this show. No, but I, it, it's just the dialogue is so well-crafted. I think it's worth your attention. You'll laugh maybe once an episode. I laughed every minute of it. So it's going to be a real soft, melted Toblerone kind of recommendation for me, but it did save my life, so I got to give it that. I really thought you were going to send it to the dip. No, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because it would have been one out of three. I know my odds. I'm not going to burn political capital over that. (laughs) This is not the mountain that you die on? Nope. Not Neo Yoki's mountain. (laughs) Oh, boys. Hey, that's it for Anime April, isn't it? Oh yeah, we're done. We did it. Wow, what a what a way to end. Oh, uh, and we had we had interesting discussions about what anime is along the way. That's true, and that that's a surprise. We didn't actually intend to do that. We just wanted to talk about shows we've been watching recently and ones that we thought were interesting and ones that our guests, like the lovely Allison Keen, uh, wanted to talk about as well. So yes. happy to have our guests on. Happy to talk anime in April. We're gonna talk Mecha Movie May. No, I don't know what we're doing in May. Uh, do you really Calm not down. know? Everything's fine. No, okay. I can't remember. I can't think more than a week. Okay. If it's not about horchata, he's not interested. Horchata made. Oh my god. Sharing recipes for your homemade horchata. Uh, well, I will. I will simply say that a lot of people have very graciously, not even recommended, but told us uh, over email and a bunch of other mediums that we have to absolutely watch certain shows. True. So maybe, maybe next month we're gonna watch some of those shows. I like that. We'll take it on your recommendations. But until then. Alison Keen, thank you again for joining us. Where can the folks yes. out there find you on social media, and what are you up to? Thanks for having me. I had an elegant and sophisticated time. So elegant. Um, so I'm actually the TV critic for Collider.com. You can find me there. We have reviews and recaps and news and everything you could possibly want for movies and TV. Uh, it's Collider.com slash TV to find my stuff. And on Twitter, I am at KeenTV. That's K-E-E-N-E-T-V. Fantastic. Sean, buddy, what are you up to? Hey, guys. As always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on social medias that have names that will annoy Dave mm-hmm. at Sean Paul Ellis. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me on the lines at Collider.com, Nerdist.com, <laughs> DaveTrumpo.com. If you want to find out more about SMC, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. You can find out all kinds of info there and even pitch in to help the show. You can head to our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Follow along on Twitter at MorningTunes. Remember, that's morning with a U. Take a look at Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep those conversations going on Facebook and listen to our free audio podcast. Yes, I said free. Each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, like Sean mentioned, feel free to drop us a line, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. It's going to wrap it up for Neo Yokio. It's going to wrap it up for Anime April. We're, a, we're like a third of the way through the year. That's crazy. Mm. Unreal. Mm. Unreal tournament. Thank you guys for listening so much. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
Unreal Tournament. Unreal Tournament. The end. The end. You got Allison Stinger there. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.